Hello, I'm your host, Allison Howell, and this is The Trunk Show, where I talk with leading event rental pros all about their rental adventures. The show is brought to you by RW Elephant, mighty inventory management software designed to help you conquer the chaos in your event rental business and reclaim your creativity. Because the world needs more of the beautiful events and environments you create. In this episode, I sit down with Shireen Iskandar, a marketing and branding professional turned event rental pro in Portland. My name is Shireen and uh, the business name is Lily and Kane. Um, we're in Portland, Oregon um, and been doing event rentals for about five years. Great. Can you take us back to your early career? What did, what did you study in college? I actually studied marketing. Uh-huh. Um, so I got a degree in business and marketing. And then I, after working in marketing for a few years, um, went back and got a degree in graphic design because mm-hmm. I felt like a lot of uh, the smaller businesses that were hiring wanted more of a one-stop shop. So I, sure. you know, learned about marketing, branding, and design. Great. And so what kinds of businesses did you work in then at that point? Um, so let's see, I worked for Ringer, their baseball and softball footwear company. That was like my launching of my marketing career and design Mm -hmm. career. Um, and then moved on to the Columbian, which, um, is a newspaper. Um, and then we, then I moved on to commercial real estate and that's really the last industry I was in. Okay. And that was with Capital Pacific? Yeah. How did you know? (laughs) Well, you know, I do my research. Well, and it looks like you went through a process of rebranding at Capital Pacific, right? Yeah. So rebranding, branding, corporate culture, all that stuff is, um, is stuff that I, um, to me, it kind of comes naturally and it's also just something I'm super into. So even though I, I love events and, um, obviously what I do, um, I think, the world of marketing and branding is still super exciting to me, which has helped me, you know, with my business and how to brand it. Yeah. So tell us about your role there when you were, when you dove into the commercial real estate market, you were, you were in a marketing position. What were you in charge of? So, um, I was in charge of making them look good. (laughs) Okay, great. Um, So how did you do that? You know, I started off the first big um, item on my to-do list uh, when I started there was was to rebrand the company. There was no name change or anything like that, but it was really to figure out, you know, what does Capital Pacific stand for? You know, who yeah. are we? Um, what do we want to convey to our clients? How do we convey it? Sure. Um, so it, and it also goes, you know, external and internal. So then you got to work with your, you know, company culture and are we right. really embodying what we're saying that we're doing? And so there's a lot of changes that have to happen internally too, um, you know, to get really excited about the new branding and the new direction and really embody sure. it. A brand embodies so much more than just the look and feel, it's the client experience is a huge thing. And then is it um, and your product? And right. in my case, you know, the product is the inventory um, sure. coupled with the client experience. Right. So what did you do next in your career after you were working in corporate 
real estate or commercial real estate, what happened next? Um, so I got pregnant okay. um, and had a baby and it became clear to me that the crazy hours of the corporate mm. world um, were not good for my health um, sure. and were not um, good for our family life. Yeah. Um, and once I had my, when I was pregnant with my second, that's when it's just like, I couldn't do it anymore. Um, sure. working the crazy hours and, you know, having your brain on all the time for work. Yeah. So it was just time to find something different, uh, to do. And, um, I think I lucked out. I happened to also be in charge of client events, um, okay. at my last, um, job. And that's when I was exposed to the event industry in the first sure. place um, and exposed to event rentals. Um, and so you were producing events and did you sort of see an, a need or a, a hole in the market or what, what yeah. made you think, oh, I should do rentals? Yeah, that's actually exactly what happened. I, um, it was a corporate event, you know, it was a client event and it's mm -hmm. not a wedding. Uh, so right. um, all I could really find at the time was just a lot of vintage stuff and like really cool ornate things. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I want modern couches and stuff. And, you know, I didn't want like chairs for all our, our attendees. Sure. You know, our brand at the time was definitely like an outside of the box thing. And we weren't going to be like what every corporate event was like. So we wanted sure. to do something different and it was hard to find that. Um, okay. And so that's when I, I, I saw an opportunity um, or a hole in the market and thinking, you know, okay, you know, maybe, maybe this is something I could do. Maybe I could bring some more modern pieces um, to the events industry, some more high-end pieces, uh, maybe, Maybe you don't need to cover your tables with linens all the time. Maybe you can have high quality tables that, sure. you know, just look good bare. Well, tell us about the early days then um, of, of Vintage Meets Modern. That's what your business was originally called. Yes. So, um, you know, that name was like a no-brainer for me. <laughs> so <laughs> I came up with it and I didn't even think twice. Like Vintage Meets Modern because does everything have to be vintage? We need modern too. And then also I launched a business with two um, new dining tables. Um, okay. It would have been easy to just buy folding tables from sure. an event um, vendor right. um, and just, you know, doing what everyone else was doing. But I went and got custom furniture made um, yeah. and I decided, oh, we're going to have rounds made out of walnut that you don't need to cover with linens. And then I decided yeah. we should have white tables that, you know, right. are white lacquer. And so I, I decided to launch with like two big products that I like, okay, these two products are going to like take the industry and like everyone's going to be like, wow, Vintage Meets Modern. We have to rent from her. It didn't quite work that way. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? The, how, how did it work? I was like, hey, look at my cool new products. You guys should be super excited about these tables. You can't find them anywhere else. And I was like, oh, wow, yeah, these really look good. But we love working with so-and-so. So we're just going to stick with them. 
Um, and it, it was a couple of years of, of really like, come on, I I'm a new business, but you should give me a shot. Yeah. Well, Um, who was your ideal client at the beginning when you were launching with those two table designs? Were you thinking all corporate events? Were you thinking weddings? Who, who was that avatar in your head of the ideal client? My ideal client was mostly weddings. Um, the lounge furniture would have been for both. Um, so, but if we tackle the tables first, um, my ideal client was someone that was sick of status quo, like I was. So someone that was more design savvy and more, more interested in wowing their clients. I mean, sorry, wowing their guests, um, and just like having something different at their event and, willing to pay a little more. It wasn't a lot more, just a little more, I thought. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So how did you communicate about your business to those clients and potential clients? Um, I did a lot of cold calling, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, But the cool thing about the wedding industry is it's it's easy to figure out who the players are, Um, you know, just make a list of all the planners, make a list of all the venues, call everyone, mm-hmm. um, introduce them. I had, you know, newsletters, like email newsletters. I yeah. I tried to have like good photos from the get-go. Um, I had a little like leave behind, you know, just typical, typical stuff, I would say. I, I joined mm-hmm. um, a networking group, all of that. So kind of like- An event-based one? Yes, it was a wedding-based one. Which which one was that? It was called Wedding Network USA. (laughs) They don't exist anymore. Not that I know of. I mean, every region has such a different, like, certain kind of group. Some some really focus on ILEA, the International Live Events Association. Some are MPI or NACE or ABC or WIPA. Like, every kind of region has sort of had one of those organizations that kind of becomes the front runner. And um, so it's, it's fascinating to me. There are, these are all national or international organizations, but they're not always the big thing in your neighborhood, you know? Very true. Like right now um, there's an uh, organization called Art of Weddings. Okay. um, And they're very, very local to Portland. Um, And that's now my favorite go-to. Um, and there's um, Ilea. Um. Mm-hmm. So as you were networking with people and meeting people and doing those cold calls, what were you communicating? What was the messaging that you were sharing? It wasn't just, hey, I'm a rental company. What were the things that you were saying to them? I really tried to make it clear that I had big plans to bring, you know, something very unique and different to the events industry. Mm. And that's why I wanted to start with like something tangible. So I couldn't really launch my business until I had those two tables made. Um, And I started investing um, in some of the more modern lounge pieces as well. That was my messaging is like, it's not just vintage anymore. It's vintage meets modern. And you can have, you know, you can have something different and unique um, at your wedding or event. So you you mentioned that it was hard at first to get people to um, sort of leave their trusted sources and develop a new relationship with you. What was most effective at helping people make that transition? 
I think it was perseverance. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it was me just sticking to it and continuing to um, promote the business. I did some styled shoots um, that okay. really made my furniture look good. Yeah. Um, and it was just a matter of continuing to promote and prove, just prove that this is, you know, we're here to stay and we right. have something different and unique and you should take a look at it. Um, and, and, you know, it slowly but surely worked. Yeah, it's interesting you say perseverance because in my experience, in my whole career in events, you know, I've attended these networking groups and, you know, some people give up after attending once or twice at one of these networking groups and then they say, oh, that doesn't work for me. But what I found is that you really have to stick with it for six to nine months before anybody with any kind of great reputation will give you a chance because, if they recommend you, then their reputation is on the line. And so they want to see, oh, they're actually coming back. They're sticking around. They're growing their business. Other people have tested them and they've worked out. Yeah, I really agree with that. Um, I, I think it was a matter of this is a new kid on the block. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know that I can like I give her my business and and what if something goes wrong? And so um, that's why with perseverance and slowly gathering new clients, you can continue to prove right. yourself. You mentioned that as you were coming to market, you were looking for people who were sick of the status quo and also who were willing to pay a little bit more. Help me understand a little more about how you feel like pricing fits into your positioning. Um... You know, events are expensive Um, and people throwing an event, especially a wedding, um, because it's personal money. It's not it's not money out of, you know, the corporate account. I think that makes it a lot harder um, to to spend. Um, You know, it just has to be the right client. Like this was important for me to explain to myself or to keep repeating to myself, like, I can't be all things to all people. Yeah. Um, So initially, how did you set those prices? Were those based on like the market around you? Were those based on your costs? Was that based on value that you were offering? How did you calculate that? um, Two things. One would be my cost and how many times do I need to rent this item to break even on it? Even if I'm like not even considering all the overhead and operating costs, it was a very simple formula for me. How much did this cost? If I rent this between four and eight times, depending Mm -hmm. on the item, then that's the price I'm setting. And then I had to go and look at the market. Of course, I can't rent, you know, a chair for $200 if everyone else is renting chairs for $60. I I mean, lounge chairs, not stacking chairs. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's how our pricing came about. And with the tables, I kind of tried to compare like, okay, if they're investing in high-end linens, plus, you know, a cheap folding table, um, this is their cost. And then if they're investing in my my tables that that don't require linens, um, it's it's still a higher cost, but you're trying to build that brand equity and you're trying to just, you know, be that brand that people want to have at their event. Right. So um, you mentioned that you had commissioned these tables to be built. How did you go about finding people to make things for you? 
That was such a pain point early on. It was, Hmm. it's the kind of thing that would make you want to quit. It was very, very tough. Um, I don't already have connections. You know, I'm in here, zero connections in the event industry, zero connections with um, carpenters or any, you know, furniture makers. Like I went from like zero to like trying to find people. Um, I learned quickly not to be cheap. Um, if they're asking a certain price, look at their portfolio, um, you know, but it's, it's been really tough. Like when I started out, I didn't even understand materials. Um, I didn't understand what it took to build a table. I wanted a white lacquer table. I barely knew what that meant. Um, I just knew that it looked really nice and I didn't know what you had to do to build a table that looked like that. Um, I thought wood and white and lacquer paint that didn't work out. Trial and error was, is a big thing. Yeah. So tell us about your collection. What do you rent now? What's included? So we rent, um, we rent, think of a dinner party, um, Mm -hmm. or, or a wedding. So we rent, um, mass seating, um, dining tables and chairs. Uh, we rent tabletop decor, um, lounge furniture. I love lounge furniture. So we have a lot of lounge options. Good. And I, um, I started this thing called rent this look. Okay. Um, and so we have, um, like a, like an easy button, you know, so uh-huh. you can click an easy right. button and you're right. like, boom, there's my lounge sure. easy button. Boom. There's my dining table and chairs. Yeah, and that's yeah. what it's going to look like. Um, and so that was part of also, um, our, our big um, goal is the client experience, the shopping experience itself. Sure. Um, if they're not stylists and they don't want to spend all this time trying to style their event, but they know they want something that looks awesome, um, they can come to us and we have um, we have a way to just do like a one-stop shop and you can click on, you know, rent this look and you've got this whole lounge and it comes with pillows and decor and even dried floral that's included or plants and greenery. Um, And we do the same for dining too. Great. So how did you decide what to add to your collection? After you had those first two tables and some lounge furniture, you, and you're starting to get some business, how did you decide what to add next? Uh, It's a combination of client feedback and interior design trends. Is that what continues to sort of guide your buying? Yes, yes. Um, So the client feedback, like, for example, I was just so anti-farm tables for some reason. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, everyone else has farm tables. And, you know, I want to be unique. We don't need farm tables. And people just kept asking for farm tables. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm missing out on a lot of business here. Mm -hmm. Um, But how do I carry farm tables that are on brand for Lillian Kane? Um, And so we had our own custom-made modern, what I call modern um, farmhouse tables. So they're not rustic. Um, They're more high end. um, And those are doing really well. And that's a client feedback that I listened to. 
Yeah. And so where do you sort of get inspiration for that other side of the equation, the interior design trends? Um, I, I love shopping. <laughs> okay. I, um, no, it's, um, you know, a lot of it, actually, I look at the big furniture companies that the, the, um, like, um, CB2 or mm-hmm. Crate and Barrel, you know, those mm-hmm. brands that are like, they're, they're elevated. They're known for their high quality. They're known for being, uh, not on just on trend, but leaders and innovators. Um, and, and I just get inspired by what, what they carry and the scenes that they create. And I follow some interior designers on Instagram and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just, I, I take in inspiration wherever it may hit me. You know, I take a lot of inspiration from nature too. And I, I really love you know, furniture that's made out of wood, um, and, and just like drawing the, the natural, um, out and not just, um, you know, not just like metal furniture, for example. Okay. Okay. Well, take us through the process you have when you get a new piece, for instance, these modern farmhouse tables, when you decide to purchase something or have it built, what do you do first? Um, it all starts with, some kind of inspirational either photo or idea in my head. Um, mm-hmm. I start sketching, um, measurements, design. I'm not a good sketcher by any means. I'm, I'm really not talented okay. in drawing, <laughs> but it's, it's just their simple sketches of like, these are like sure. some the dimensions. I think it's, we're going to use these materials. Um, and then you just got to search for the right uh, local talent. Um, I've, I've gone through a lot of different makers. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them have quit or moved or or had a bad experience and sorry, yeah. can't use you again. Um, so it's, it's such a long, long process. Um, it really takes a lot to bring a new custom-made product to market. I, I just don't think people realize that. Right, right. So what are some of those some of those ideas that you're holding in mind as you're making that sketch? I mean, obviously you talked about dimensions. Like with a table, are you thinking about design first and then functionality second? I think I do start with the design first because that's what truly inspires me. Um, Mm -hmm. So we had custom bars made. Um, They're Mm -hmm. called Elwood bars. Um, And I, I just wanted... Actually, no, that's a lie. Those ones started function first. So I guess it depends. (laughs) With the bars, they needed to fold and they needed to be on wheels and they needed to have prep space. Okay. But then I also had to make sure they looked gorgeous. Um, Right. So that's always very important. So, um, you know, it, it is definitely a marriage of form or design and function. Sure. So... So then what happens next? You've got this idea, you've had, you've found your manufacturer, they've made you maybe your first prototype and they're going to continue making the rest of them. Are you Instagram storing? Like how's the, oh, yeah. how do people start hearing about it? Um, yes, pictures. <laughs> so, you know, I, I decided I'm not going to wait for perfection to start promoting a product as far as like, I'm not going to hold on to these bars for like couple of months until I finally like have a cool style shoot planned. I need to just start promoting it right away. Right. So that's what I did. I took pictures on my phone, 
went straight to Instagram, started promoting it. I don't think they were even on the website yet. And then put them on the website right away. And and then it was part of my newsletter that I sent sure. out. I only send it out like once every three, four months. I don't bombard people. Um, and then came the styled shoot. And I was able to promote it a little more heavily that way. And, you know, um, really, it really would align better with our brand when you do the more professional right. branding um, and promoting. So how do you know when you've marketed something well? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I mean, if it's doing well, you know, that's, but it's a combination of, is the product being received well? Plus, did I market it well? Um, mm -hmm. I, I guess it's a combination of both. Um, but, you know, through RW Elephant, we can run, um, you know, we can, we can run reports on our inventory and we can figure out, all right, this went out this many times in this past like year, it's doing sure. really well. And oh my yeah. God, this couch that I spent, you know, $2,000 on went out twice, boy. Right. Um, right. So that helps you, you know, kind of figure out, all right, what, what's going well and what's going wrong, how to fix it. You mentioned that when you're when you're setting your pricing, you're often looking for something to make back its cost within four to eight rentals. Are you yes. hoping that happens within a certain time frame? Generally, it's been six months to a year. Mm -hmm. um, of course, things you know things have been very different the last two seasons, the last two right. years. Um, right. it, so we don't have a good gauge right now. Um, but generally I would say I need to break even within one year or a okay. lot less. It really depends. Okay. You know, it's hard to, it's hard to break even quickly on, on a, on a high ticket item. Sure. Um, you know, vases, I can break even like in a couple of months right. <laughs> or, or if it's something as big as a custom designed expensive table, it might take me over a year to break even. Sure. Sure. Um, tell me what you do when a, piece isn't performing the way you expect it to? So sadly, sometimes I'm just emotionally attached to something. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a pretty common experience in this industry. Yeah. Generally speaking, um, it's time for it to go. Unfortunately, it's, uh, well, not necessarily. So what I've also done on some things that weren't performing as well is I put them in a pre-styled lounge. Okay. So let's say a couch wasn't it just wasn't going out as much or uh -huh. a love seat or, or a lounge chair. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I have put them in our, one of our rent this look lounges sure. and it helps because okay. people like the lounge as a whole. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Sometimes people have to see it in context in order for them to, to know what to do with something. Um, and, it seems like you're you're obviously really good at that. And your ideal client is not that stylist. Your ideal client is not somebody who, they, obviously they care about the look, but they're not necessarily the person who can do it themselves. And so being able to sort of serve it to them on a silver platter gives them, again, access to something that they couldn't do on their own. Yeah, you got exactly right. That's really what I try and do. Um, of course, there are some clients that don't need my help whatsoever and are sure. amazing and brilliant stylists. And then there's the B2C, like directly to the customer, right. where they 
they need that help. Um, they just, they know they want something really cool, but oh my goodness, I don't want to have to figure out how to style this. Sure. Sure. So, um, are there any other things you do? Something's not performing. So you put it in sort of the rent this look category and see if it gets more attention that way. Are there any other changes you make or, or steps you take in order to get it out more? What I've done is, is, um, rename, reprice, Okay. And reshoot. Okay. Um, I've tried that. All three at the same time or one of those three? All three at the same time. Okay. Um, and sometimes I actually increase the price um, and okay. sometimes I decrease the price. It just depends. Uh, and I try and follow my gut and I'm not always right. <laughs> sure. So sometimes sure. things are just still not performing well and yeah. then it's time to sell. We're back with Shireen, and we're going to be talking about all things marketing, starting with communication. So tell me more about how you communicate with your clients now. You mentioned a newsletter. You mentioned Instagram. How do you make sure that you're continuing to keep the same messaging and the, the strong brand that you want in front, of, in front of people? I put a lot of work into our website. Um, mm -hmm. a lot of work into it. Uh, and you, as you know, we did recently rebrand. Um, so the branding is super important for me. Um, it's just in my blood. Um, okay. and yeah, I, I, I work on the website. I work on the, on the product photography. Um, I, I design my own, you know, styled shoots as opposed to just doing photo shoots um, when someone else is planning them because I know exactly okay. the type of photos that we need. Sure. And sure, it's wonderful to have a beautiful bride with gorgeous dress and amazing makeup, but I can't sell that. I, I'm trying to right. sell furniture rentals. Right. Right. <laughs> so it's just a matter of, of really getting the right, yeah, just sticking sticking to the brand, sticking to the quality um, and it needs to be behind the scenes as well as in front of the client. Okay. Well, how do you evaluate whether or not to utilize new marketing channels? Like for instance, TikTok has become the big thing over the past uh. couple of years. <laughs> how do you evaluate whether it's worth your time? I'm resisting TikTok right now. Uh, we'll ask me again in six months, but, um, <laughs> I, I only have so much time in my day. Um, so to me, um, my, the website is absolutely the most important marketing channel. Mm -hmm. uh, number two would be social media as a whole, but we are focused on Instagram. Okay. Well, um, I'd love to talk more about the rebrand now. When did you decide that Vintage Meets Modern was no longer the name for you? Um... You know, it's actually been a couple of years that I that this thought was in my head that we needed to possibly change the name of the business. Um, it, it was a great way to start, and it was and the brand, the name, and the brand did get a lot of um, you know brand equity, and and it was a positive thing. But then I at some point I. I kept seeing and realizing that people were so focused on the word vintage. Hmm. Um, everything else was kind of taking a backseat. Okay. Um, 
and vintage is not a big part of what we do, actually. It really isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my name was doing a disservice to the brand and it, sure. I had to, I had to change it. Okay. What I realized is we needed to, um, to elevate the brand. Okay. Um, and so this new name needed to be a little bit more high end, but not okay. snooty. Okay. And then, you know, and then I just went from there, you know, think what, what inspires me, what inspires mm. Um, the type of furniture that we carry and, you know, what, what was the, what was the idea that I wanted to convey? Okay. So how did you land on Lily and Kane? So, so we had to throw out vintage meets modern, but, um, you know, it wasn't like out with the old and in with the new. Okay. Um, it was more like, Okay, things that come first inspire something new. Um, So we still needed to embody this idea of old and new working together. So cane is um, a part of a rattan plant. Um, And so when you peel the skin of a rattan plant, you get that vine and that's cane webbing. Okay. Um, Cane webbing or cane, but cane Mm -hmm. webbing is a staple in uh, mid-century furniture design. And it right. continues to be widely used today. Um, yeah. And it has this presence about it to me that's both like strong, structured and masculine, yet elegant and feminine. Um, and the word cane, you know, the reason it's used in the name is mostly because it is something found in nature that you use that inspires you and you use in furniture design which right. then translates to beautiful events. Yeah. Um, but Kane is also a masculine name, like a first mm-hmm. name. Um, Lily is the yin to his yang, you know, sure. and it's it's kind of a, uh, a nod to our old name, vintage meets modern. It's like mm-hmm. Lily meets Kane. Um, so Lily is feminine. It's a flower. It's a feminine name found in nature. Um, you know, to me, nature is, is very inspiring. You know, we bring plants indoors, we bring flowers indoors and we want to create it as part of our living environment. And, and we do the same thing with events. Yeah. So you decide Lillian Kane is the name and what happened next? Um, well, what happened next is trying to really design the branding. So, um, what's the logo going to look like? What are the color, what's the color palette? What do we need to really represent? Um, And even though I've done this in my career for many, many years, I did not want to do it this time around for my own business. Um, I designed the vintage. It's kind of hard to do it for yourself, right? It became hard for sure. Um, I did it with Vintage Meets Modern. I designed our logo, but this time around, I um, I hired a local firm here in Portland, mm-hmm. um, and they did a really amazing job. They um, their name is C two S I T U, and they they really got to know the brand or the new brand, I guess, that right. I wanted to portray, um, and they helped me develop like the general aesthetic. What's the kind of photography you're going to use? This kind of feeling that you want to evoke in your clients. Sure. Who's your ideal client? All that stuff. So 
You now have an aesthetic for the brand. How are you going to announce it or or proclaim it to the world? You know, <laughs> I actually, I had a big plan. Um, okay. And then I got so busy and I only did half of it. Okay. But... <laughs> well, tell us the, the whole plan and tell us what half you did. I did like a little like pre-announcement, like okay, April 15th, I'm committing to this, whether it's ready or not, I'm right, going to make a right. big announcement. Right. And I just, I just, I, I stuck to it. April 15th, um, I made the announcement on Instagram. Sure. Um, and it got a lot of feedback. Um, Great. And, so, you know, I just kept like putting our logo on, on our feeds and on stories and, sure. um, and then a week later, I announced a new website um, and I sent out, I sent out a uh, newsletter to our B2B clients. So, you know, planners and venues um, sure. and repeat clients and made that announcement again. And, you know, then it stopped and <laughs> I just had to work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, well, walk us through the process of creating the new website. I know, I know you'd been fairly involved in your last website and you created this one. Um, tell us, tell us what you used and, and who was involved in that process. So one of the reasons I actually joined RW Elephant, your inventory system Mm -hmm. is, um, because of the integration, the website integration. Sure. Um, so when I launched my last website, um, I had relaunched the last website. Um, it was through having also just signed on with RW Elephant and all the inventory, all the beautiful pictures that we can upload and keep on RW Elephant get translated onto the website. And so when you go on our website, when you click on the catalog section, um, it's drawing out um, content, like descriptions um, sure. and photos from RW Elephant, but it's it has your plugin uh, has allowed us to just completely um, customize it. Sure. And so it it's it takes on the exact same look and feel of the rest of the website. Right. And you're using WordPress as your platform, right? Uh, yes and no. So I use Show It. And Show It's a, a page builder within a WordPress sort of oh, okay. world. Gotcha. Um, um, but you so, brought in yes. another, you did a lot of the design yourself, but you brought in a developer to kind of customize some things, right? Yes. So the developer, um, because I hate coding and yeah. I, I, I just don't want to deal with it ever. Um, (laughs) I found this awesome developer, um, and he, he was able to integrate RW Elephant into, um, and make it look like everything I had designed on show it. Perfect. And do you find that you have a lot of clients using your website to create wish lists? Yes. Wish lists are awesome. <laughs> so they add their items to their wish list and then they submit that to you. What's what's the process look like after that? They they submit it to you and what do you do? So um, there's an automated uh, reply. So once they hit submit, they get an email that says we'll be we'll get back to you within two business days. 
um, okay. with availability and pricing. Even though the okay. pricing is listed on the website, they need to know what the total price with delivery is. Right, um, and right. so I generally try and get back within one business day. Sure. I can figure out if all the stuff that's on their wish list is in fact available for their event date. Right. If it's not, I make suggestions. Um, uh-huh. So I try to not lose a client because something's not available. And I get back to them with, okay, here's your order. See, you know, attach PDF um, to confirm your order. Click here, make a deposit and you are confirmed. Easy. Sure. Super easy. So it seems like that, that wish list process for you is kind of like a a springboard for your sales process or a jumping off point. You're not expecting that this is going to be a complete online transaction. They, they need a little bit more high touch service in that process, right? Yes, that's correct. Um, but like I mentioned, the website is a huge part of of how we promote the business. So sure. we do get a lot of um, clients that have discovered us just by Googling. Um, yeah. And so those wish lists are a very, very strong lead. Um, and then it's just it's just a matter of client service after that. What do you think has changed in you personally as a result of being an entrepreneur? You were in the corporate world and then you started your own business. How, how are you different? Hmm. <laughs> I, um, I think I, I value my freedom. Mm-hmm. That's a weird word to use. It's, it's, but um, I work-life balance. I guess is is better yeah. way to um, describe that. But I, I really value my work life balance, um, and I value my family time, um, yeah, and time and the freedom to take a sick day when I actually need to be like heal right. in some way, right. um, or um, being able to take my kids to school um, and not having to be at the office before magically right. before dropping the kids off at school. Um, I, I think I also have a little more confidence in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a healthier person. I had health issues when I felt overworked and super stressed out. Um, yeah. and, and that's a huge thing to, to actually, and it was a, a big goal when I quit. Um, the corporate world, um, my goal was to be a healthier person, mind and body. Um, and I am a healthier person now because I've allowed myself, um, the balance of work and life. What are some of the big decisions or turning points you faced as an entrepreneur that you think changed you personally? It might be more like, as opposed to like a decision I had to make, it was more like a bump in the road that I had to ride through. Um, and early on when, uh, when I decided I was going to make those, um, you know, white lacquer tables or no one else had and bring them out to market. And that was going to be how I was going to launch the business. Um, I really hit a lot of bumps, um, getting those made. Um, I had like, I paid, you know, down payment or a deposit and the guy actually never showed up with the tables when, um, and disappeared with my deposit. Um, and then I found someone new and they made them. And then the movers I hired to bring them from the manufacturer to my warehouse broke half of them 
before they ever went out. I had 10 out of, no, eight out of 15 tables broken day one. Um, So these things like really make you just want to cry. So um, what I learned from that is there's always going to be those darn bumps in the road and I'm going to have my heart broken many times um, because I'm so emotionally attached to the business and to our, you know, inventory and all that. Sure. Um, and so really what, how I changed mentally, the things that, you know, how I changed was really to be okay with the disappointments and the, the bad things mm. that happen because there's so much worse going on out in the world. I don't, I don't need mm. to be like fretting over this, um, fix it, find a solution, fix it, move on. Well, it seems like, you know, you, you've come to resolution that those disappointments are going to happen. Um, but obviously you've got to still feel like it's worth it. Right. So tell us what brings you joy in your business. You know, honestly, what brings me joy is when I see how our rentals are being used. Um, and I like I get photo galleries back from an event or a wedding and I and I see smiles and I see our furniture and I see how beautiful it looks and how like yeah. it's really like been such yeah. a part of their event and events bring joy. Um, that's what really, truly like makes me so happy. Like, look, look, that's our tables that we worked so hard to make. And they're just sitting there in the background and people are dancing, uh, you know, and they made, they made the event look beautiful. You heard her folks, events bring joy. Check out the show notes to find links to Shireen's website and Instagram. And while you're in the show notes, click that link to join the RW Elephant mailing list. In the meantime, please enjoy my lightning round questions with Shireen. Here we go. Three words to describe your collection. Quality, trend-setting rentals. Great. What is one trait you look for when hiring? Friendly, on task. If you could only have one type of fabric in your collection, what would it be? Cane. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, What is something other event pros do that annoys you? Not responding. Mm, yeah, you get ghosted by other event pros. Yeah, that's, sometimes. That's pretty frustrating. Um, or, or just um, finally getting back to me like the day before the event when I needed that information so much earlier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so do you rent, lease, or purchase your delivery vehicles? Leasing. Oh, I have, I own a van and I lease box trucks. Okay. Two things outside of work you love to do. Um, time with the hubby and the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, cocktails with friends. Great. Um, going to the beach. Even the Oregon coast, I can still do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a business tool you couldn't live without. RW Elephant. <laughs> well, thank you. That's a great answer. Uh Would you rather pack a delivery truck blindfolded or get a last-minute order for a 200-person event that's happening tomorrow? Get a last-minute order for a 200-person event. So you can pull that off tomorrow. You'd call your crew. You'd get everyone there. You could make it happen. 
I mean, I might. There's a 50% chance I can. So I'd rather you inquire and I'll tell you. (laughs) Great, great. Um, What's the next big trend in rentals? um, Next big trend in rentals. Just look at LillianKane.com. You got your answers there. Great, great. (laughs) Perfect. I love it. And so our final question, what do you enjoy most about your rental adventure? Um, I I really enjoy sourcing and designing um, new inventory. That's great. Well, I'm so glad you get to do that. Me too. <laughs> well, thanks, Shireen. I really enjoyed learning more about the branding and marketing side of your business, plus everything else too. And thank you for listening to The Trunk Show brought to you by RW Elephant. I'm your host, Allison Howell. Happy renting. Happy renting.